the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. As we talk about changing our minds, it's extremely important to understand that the Bible is filled with tremendous truth regarding your thinking. The Bible, as I said last weekend, it's not a psychology textbook, it's not a neuroscience textbook, but it contains for us the principles that will help you to think not only in a healthy way, but in a holy way. When you begin to get God's Word in your thinking process, it heals you on the inside. And in fact, the writer of Proverbs gives us this very important statement. We read it last weekend. I want to bring it to your attention again. We'll be looking at it multiple times during this series. And why don't we read it together loud and loudly. Here we go. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. You thought your wife ran your life. No, it's actually your thoughts that run your life or your husband runs your life. Be careful what you think. Who's doing the thinking? You are, exactly. Somebody was right on over there, okay? So whose responsibility is it to think about your thinking? It's ours. Each of us have that responsibility. Be careful what you think so the responsibility is placed on us because here's the principle. Your thoughts are actually running. They're operating your life. And I talked a little bit last week about, uh, about your brain being a part of your physical body. And, and while your brain is just simply an organ, if you will, of your body that's very uh, wonderfully made, incredibly made, it runs on a software system. It's really the hardware that God has given every human being, the hardware of a, a brain that we carry in this thing called our skull, about three pounds it weighs, but it's very, very powerful, but it works on the basis of how it's programmed. There has to be a programming that occurs for your brain to function well. Bad programming, bad life. Good programming, healthy programming gives you a healthier, holier life. So we're talking about how to actually improve our thoughts based upon God's Word. And, and whether you realize it or not, or whether I realize it or not, everybody's looking at certain things in life through a lens. You're looking at it through another word we could use here is through a filter or filters. So whether you realize it or not, everything that you think about in life, you're processing it through filters. Filters that go back from experiences you've had in life, the family you grew up in, the teachers you had, the successes you had in life, the failures you had in life, the relationships you've had in life. All of these have created certain lenses or certain filters through which you view the world around you and through which you interpret the world around you. And that's called perspective. That's all a perspective is. The filter or the lens through which you're viewing the world around you. There's a classic example in the Old Testament of a group of people who had a really hard time changing their filter. They had a really hard time changing the lens through which they looked at life. 
And that group of people were the children of Israel. In the book of Exodus, they are in slavery in a place called Egypt. You might recall that. So they're Egyptian slaves. They're making bricks for the pharaohs there and building all kinds of things. But they're slaves. And they are enslaved literally for over 400 years. That's a long time to be in slavery. And it did a lot to their mentality. It affected them very adversely. And God raised up a man uh, as a deliverer for these slaves. And you might remember his name. Somebody want to tell me his name? His name was Moses. Exactly right. And so Moses comes along and God, through a series of tremendous miracles, brings them out of Egyptian slavery. And the whole idea was to take them to the promised land. Okay. This was a fulfillment of a promise that God had. And he says, I've got a land for you, and I'm going to use Moses, take you out of Egyptian slavery. You've been crying out to me for years, asking me to deliver you, and I'm sending Moses for this point of deliverance. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. And so they come out of Egypt, and they head through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Now, I think you would agree with me that in large measure, if you've just been taken out of 400 years of slavery and God has done miracles like parting the Red Sea and getting you across on dry ground and and drowning a bunch of Egyptians behind you, would you agree that that's pretty exciting stuff, right? Okay. That's really pretty amazing things happening, and it's the kind of thing that should bring a lot of joy to your life and a lot of excitement about your future and a lot of perspective about, wow, I wonder what's ahead because this must really be good. And so that's what you would have anticipated the Israelites thinking, how they would have been thinking, but instead, as soon as they get into the wilderness, having just crossed over, you read it for yourself, having just crossed over the Red Sea, heading in and toward the promised land, they begin to grumble and they begin to complain and they begin to be mad at Moses about different things and mad at God. And and eventually, even when God gives them the law, the great Ten Commandments, uh, while Moses is up on the mountain, they're down at the foot of the mountain building a golden calf and worshiping. How could that group of people do that? Why did that happen to them? It happened to them because they were out of Egypt but Egypt wasn't out of them. Let me say that again. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. They were out of slavery, but slavery, the whole mentality of those 400 years had worked its way into their perspective. And so at at certain points in the journey, they were even talking about going back to Egypt instead of going to the promised land. Well, eventually... Moses, bless his heart, was had to be so patient because he's leading these people and they're grumbling and complaining all the time. And he finally gets them to the edge of the promised land and he, he, he makes the decision that he's going to send in 12 guys to check out the land. The hope was these 12 guys would go in and check out the land and they would be so excited they would come back to all the Israelites and they would kind of pump everybody up. Hey, this is great. Look at the land. It's amazing. And so he was hoping these spies would, would have a very positive outlook on what they saw in the promised land because they're now finally at the edge of this promised land that God had spoken of. And so he sends them in to check out the land. And what happens is when they come back, there are 12 spies and 10 of them come back and they still haven't been able to shake their perspective. They're still looking at things through a certain kind of lens, a negative lens, a we can't do this lens. Take a look with me, if you will, to 
Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Let's see what they said. They gave Moses this account. These were the 10 of the 12 uh, spies that came back. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they're acknowledging that this promised land was amazing. It was incredible. In fact, uh, the story says that they had to carry the grapes on shoulders because the grapes were so big and heavy that that was just incredible. They came back and they even acknowledged it's a beautiful place. It's great. It's flowing with milk and honey. There's tremendous fruit there. Now notice the next thing that one of the next things they had to say. But the men who had gone up with him said, what did they say? We can't. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. So there in that moment, they're now back having seen all the beautiful potential future. But what is their attitude? What is their thought? What is their perspective? Their perspective is we can't. Now let's continue on. We saw the Nephilim there. That was a group of giants. The, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We, see, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Very significant words here that we don't have time to unpack uh, as fully as I'd like to, but here's the idea. That the, we can't do this. The reason we can't do this is because there's some giants that we saw in the land, and we saw these giants, and when we saw these giants, we we seemed like grasshoppers. It wasn't even necessarily that they were grasshoppers. It was the view that they had. It's something that you might be familiar with from a psychological standpoint. It's called self-image. They were convinced that they were too small, too incapable of handling the giants in the land. So they're about to walk away from a future that God had planned for them. And in fact, God begins, after all this journey and all the promises and all the work that God had put into them, getting into the promised land, they now are saying, we can't do this. Seems like we're grasshoppers. And God, notice what God says in Numbers chapter 14. Look at what happens here. Here's God's final judgment to them. He says, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So because of their perspective, please everyone listen, all of us tonight, listen closely. Because of their perspective, they missed their promised future. Can I say that to you again? All because of their perspective, what did they miss? The future God had for them. And it's sad to think about, and I think about it even in my own life from time to time, how many times we miss the incredible future that God has in store for us because of the lens through which we're viewing the world around us, through which we're viewing various things. And and because of our perspective, we miss the promise of God. What I want you to see is that so much in our lives, so many things in our lives are determined by the lens through which you're looking at things. So much in your life is determined by the filters that have been set up in your life that you don't even realize are there many times. I'm sure that you need to know about perspective. Here's the first thing. A perspective is a way of thinking. It's not just a thought. It's a way of thinking. It's a different thing. There's a difference, and I had a thought, and I normally think this way. There's two different things. Right? You with me on that? So, 
A perspective is not just, I had a thought. You can have a perspective of a thought. But generally, a perspective is, this is how I normally think about things. The view that I have. It's a way of thinking. And when it comes to life, we, we tend to have perspective. Actually, I'm going ahead of myself. Let me stop here just for a moment. I want to talk about this just for a bit before I go to the second point. In your life today, whether you realize it or not, you have, as I said a moment ago, all these filters. For some of you, it's a filter of fear that when you look at the world around you, you don't think about it, but you filter everything through experiences of fear in your life. Some of us have a filter of worry and anxiety. We, we look at the world and all we can think about is all the things that could go wrong, all the bad things that could happen. And, and when we don't have anything to worry about, we're worried because we don't have anything to worry about. So it must be really bad because we're not, it's really coming at us because we don't know what's about to happen. And so it's the perspective of fear and the perspective of, of worry. I don't know what your lens might be, but all of us have different lenses that we carry around with us in life. And by reason of the way we think, most of the lenses are negative. Eight out of ten of our thoughts tend to be negative in nature. So what that means, and 95% of those are repetitive. You have them day after day after day. What that means is this. It means that you have a perspective, oftentimes, that's negative that you don't even realize. Let me mention one more thing before I go to the second point. There are really four areas. Is it okay if I do this tonight? Well, just a little bit of teaching here. You have perspective about four things in life. You have a perspective about God, whether you realize it or not. You have a view of God. Your relationship with God is determined by how you view Him. Okay. You have a perspective of yourself. You view yourself in a certain way, many times very negatively. You know, if you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, you'd be considered highly abusive. Is that not true? If you talk to other people the way you talk in your own head to you, okay, just think about how mean you are to you. You'd never say to other people the same kind of thing. Hopefully, you wouldn't say to other people the same kind of things you say to you. So, again, you've got to perspective. You carry this filter through which your thoughts about yourself go. You have a filter about other people. You size other people up, and they go through your filter, okay? You got a lens there. And then you have, I'll give you another one here. It's just more of a generic category that I like to include in this, this aspect of the teaching. You, you have, I'm just going to use this word. You have a perspective of life in general, okay? You just view life as a certain way, and you, life is bad, life is good, life is whatever, but you have a view of life that you've developed. So the, all these are the filters, a filter about God, yourself, a filter about others, a filter about life, and these are ways of thinking. And here's another thing I like to mention here. When things are negative, oftentimes they're not just negative, but they're also a lie. Your thoughts lie to you. I thought it, it must be true. No. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. For many, many years, they thought the world was flat. And guess what they found out later? It's not. If some of you, that might be a shock to some of you tonight, but you need to go home and process that. Is it not flat? Just so you know this, okay? Here's our second thing, okay? Your perspective produces what? Behaviors and emotions. I'm not going to take long on this one. We saw it a moment ago. What behavior did the slaves coming out of Egypt have? Grumbling and complaining, and we can't do this, and 
What kind of emotions they had? Very negative, always down, discouraged about everything. The same was true for David. David's behavior was motivated by his perspective, and the Israelite army's behavior and emotions were affected by their perspective. And so I would just ask you the question, what's happening in your life based upon your perspective of God, yourself, other people, and, the, and life around you. I'm writing this very fast. You cannot read it because I'm barely writing it, okay? But I'm just laying that. What, when you think about your view of God, your view of yourself, your view of other people, your view of life, what's that doing to your behaviors? How would your behavior change and how would your emotions change if you had a healthier view of God? How would your behaviors change and how would your emotions change if you had a healthier view of yourself? How would your behaviors change and your emotions change if you had a healthier view of other people? And, of course, the last one being a healthier view of life. Can you see that a healthier, holier view in all of those areas is going to improve your behavior and improve your... Now, what is an emotion? An emotion is the thing you talk about all the time. I feel so bad. I feel whatever. So that's what an emotion is. Look at Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So here's all I want to leave you with there before we go to the third point, is it's all about your mindset that is also known as perspective. Say it again with me. Perspective. What is your mindset on? Here's our third thing. Perspectives need to be checked. See, I can unpack this for you. A lot of your perspectives, our perspectives, I'm including myself in this message tonight. A lot of our perspectives about God, ourselves, other people, life around us, sometimes they're unconscious. We don't realize that they're there. We don't even know the track that we're operating on, but we're living life based upon those things. And the reason that they're, they're unconscious is because we seldom ever check them out. We never stop and question our perspectives. They're seldom examined. And so we don't know if they're accurate or not because we don't, we don't really look at them. They, they proceed unchecked. Let me just throw something out tonight. Just listen to me for for a moment here. What if, just think with me for a moment, what if you're suffering unnecessarily in emotional pain or in mental agony or in spiritual issues in your life all because your perspective is wrong? What if you're suffering unnecessarily? What if you didn't even have to suffer that way, but you've got this suffering, this emotional pain going on inside of you, this mental agony going on inside of you, and all these different things happening in your life that you're trying to deal with, and the reason is not because life is all that bad, or God is mean, or that you're that terrible, or other people hate you. The problem is not any of those things. It's the way you're looking at it. Can I get a little amen tonight? Okay. Maybe that could be the problem. How are you going to know? The only way you're going to know is by checking it out. You've got to say, is my thinking about God really accurate? Is my thinking about myself really the way God wants me to think about me? 
Is my thinking about other people based in the love of God or, or is it based in something else? Is my thinking about life, is it based upon how the world views life or am I thinking about it from God's perspective? Because there's only one thing that will set your perspective straight. We're going to go over this multiple times in this series. There's only one thing that you need to know that will free you up. And the question is, what is true? Do you want your perspective to be based on lies? No. Look at what the scripture says. Psalm 119. The only way to know truth, by the way, there's only one solid source of truth, and that is the word of God. That's the only thing that never changes. Morals in society change. People's opinions change. This never changes. The Bible says it is set for eternity. The word is set for eternity. Listen to these verses. I'll give them to you quickly. Psalm 119, verse 18. That's why the psalmist said, open my eyes that I may see. I can get an understanding. Uh, I can see wonderful things in your law. Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 45. And I will live a life of freedom because I pursue your precepts. That is your truth. Take a look at this next one. In John chapter 8, 32, you know it well. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen to this one in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. I've, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, Paul prays here and says, I keep asking that the God, what is he asking here? What is he praying about? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What does the word revelation means? It means you reveal something. You've seen these television programs where they have the great reveal. Something's been going on in the background. Suddenly the, 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 the sheet is removed and you see what was there. And so he's praying that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better or more accurately. And then the last part of this, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So the only way that you're going to know whether your lens is correct or not is to check it out. Because some of us are walking around looking through lens that are really distorted. This past summer, I had uh, I'd been out, uh, and it was, it was a hot day, and I'd parked my car somewhere, and I left my regular glasses in the car on the dashboard of the car, and I'd put my sunglasses on. I have prescription sunglasses, and so I'd exchange my glasses, and I came back, got in the car again, and put my sunglasses down to get my regular glasses back on, and I thought, what's wrong with my eyes? This is, I can't see anything. I'm like, what this number? It was, was not this pair of glasses, but another pair that I had. I couldn't see a thing, and I'm like trying to figure it out. So I put my sunglasses back on and get back home and start trying to figure out what was going on. And what had happened was while I was out that day, it had gotten so hot in my car that it actually had distorted my frame in the lens of my glasses and ruined them, actually. But I didn't know that it happened until I examined it closely and realized I was trying to see through distorted lens the heat had distorted my lens. Do you know that there's some of you here tonight that the heat of life has distorted the lens of your vision? The heat of life has distorted the lens of your vision. 
and you're not seeing. You've got a wacky perspective, and you're wondering, why am I doing these crazy things, and why do I feel the way I feel? Well, this is not, there are other issues. I'm not trying to simplify everything to so that everything's related to this. There are biological issues that give us medical, psychological issues and so forth, but I'm saying you can get a whole lot better if your thinking gets better. Amen? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.